Well, okay, we're in this series called Heroes, and so we've been walking through and we've been doing a biographical sketch of the lives of men, and we'll, we'll look at some women, I think, starting next week. Uh, we'll look at some in, in the Old, and we're going to go all the way through the New Testament, and it comes out of my love for biographies. There's something about a biography that I love. I love reading biographies of, of, of coaches and presidents and, and Christian leaders and great spiritual giants of the past and, and current people, and so I love biographies because there's something about a biography that when you read about their life, I mean, right by the time you finish it, well, if you read, uh, some of you just wait for it to come out on, on the movie or whatever. Uh, but if you read, that when you end up with reading that book, you feel like you know that individual. And sometimes, even though it's on the printed page, they, their life speaks into your life. And it can bring you encouragement or there's some things you can learn. The same is true with Scripture. My, my goal for this series, Heroes, is, and we're going to be doing it for quite a while, is that we would be able to understand and know some, the players of the, of the Scriptures and kind of feel like we know them and we could do life with them. So today we're in this series called Heroes. We're going to look at the life of Noah. Now, whenever we talk about Noah, we immediately think of what? We think of, well, the flood. We think of getting the animals in the ark. We think of, of the ark. We think of the rain. We think of them getting out in that whole deal. And so usually that's what we talk about whenever, when, whenever we talk about the ark or whenever we talk about Noah's life, we talk about the ark, right? That's what kind of gets the focus. Well, a lot of times what happens is, is we miss the person. We miss Noah. And we miss how he lived his life. See, Noah was this man that was just this example of what it means to walk in obedience. What it means to walk in complete obedience. And, and so we know this, right? Obedience is hard. None of us were wired for that. That's the flesh side of us. None of us like to be told what to do and how to do. We like to tell everybody else. We don't, we don't, it's not that we don't like obedience. I mean, we really like obedience as long as we get to tell everybody else how to live and they're obedient to us, right? Okay? But it becomes difficult when we look at Scripture and we look at what Scripture says about this obedience. See, we like obedience as long as we make the rules or as long as we don't have to be obedient to anyone. We just do whatever we want. Moses, uh, Noah's life, and for some odd reason, I'm going to call him Moses before this thing's over with, but who knows by the fourth service who I'll call him. But anyway, so Noah's life was like this life of obedience. So God comes to him and tells him, okay, says, I'm gonna, the world is wicked and it's immoral and it's violent and all of this other stuff. I'm, uh, I'm really disappointed and so I'm going to destroy the world uh, with a flood. And so I need you to build a, an ark and I need you to put the animals in it. Can you believe? I mean, when he was 500 years old, God told him that. It wasn't until Moses was about, see, there we go, Noah. It wasn't until Noah was 600 years old, he believed God for 100 years. Never had seen it rain before. Never really knew what a boat was. He was just following God. Three things about Noah's life that I'm just, you know what, I'm pretty fired up just to tell you because because Noah's life, listen, Noah's life brought me great encouragement, but it also brought me a sobering warning. Have you ever read a biography and, boy, their life encouraged you, but, but then you look at how their life ended and it brought you a warning? It's Noah. So three things about Noah's life, three things about this issue of obedience is this, is Noah lived a consistent life. See, Noah lived this consistent life. The way that what you saw is what you got. I mean, Noah was consistent. It didn't matter whether he was hanging out at the office. It didn't matter if he was hanging out with the guys. It didn't matter if he was with his family. It didn't matter whether he was doing a business deal. It didn't matter if he was in the community. I mean, what you saw is what you got. Mo- no- Noah, gosh, I, this, is, this is going to be bad. 
This warning, I'm going to quit telling you, you know who we're talking about. I'll just say the guy. <laughs> Noah lived a consistent life. Look at this, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found, here's a huge word, favor. Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found a blessing on his life that was different. Noah found a favor, blessing. Listen, let me just tell you, obedience in your life brings blessing every time. And Noah found that. And the scripture says that, listen, Noah found favor. Noah found blessing with the Lord. Verse 9. So why did he have it? Look at this. Well, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only, in, in my Bible, that word only is like circled and highlighted. His family were the only God followers of their time. Man, just let that sink in. Everybody else were pagans. Everybody else didn't follow God. We think it's tough in our culture. Noah, the only God followers. Noah wasn't embarrassed or shamed for living his faith out in front of other people, even when it wasn't popular in the culture. The only blameless person living on earth at the time, and then here we go. And so then he walked in close fellowship with God. He had intimacy with God. Now we know about the culture of, of Noah's day, that it was just sexually immoral. I mean, it was sexually immoral. It was a violent community. And sometimes we live in our community, we live in our times, and we think, you know what, this is the darkest time ever. Listen, let me tell you something. Noah's time was even darker. I mean, it was, it was wheels off. It was anything that goes. Noah's family were the only God followers. It was sexually immoral. There's, our culture is a lot like his culture. But here's the difference. And to me, it's just appalling. Here's the difference. It was easier in Noah's day to tell who the players were than our day. Only Noah's family were God followers. Only Noah's family were, they feared God. Only Noah's family lived a life trying to follow him and take divine standards and apply it to their life. Everybody else didn't know him. So it was clear who the players were. It was clear who those that followed God were and who those that didn't, right? It was very clear. You know what's so appalling about our culture? Is we have a culture that even professing believers justify all kinds of sexual immorality out of the scriptures. And they use the scriptures to justify their lifestyle to justify how they lead their families, justify how they relate to one another, justify all kinds of stuff. Sometimes it's confusing in our culture to know really who the God followers are and who aren't. Because there is a difference, but it was clear in Noah's time. The disciples one time asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, how will we know when you're coming back? You keep talking like you're coming back, and, and we want you to come back. How will we know? And Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, he says, okay, this is how you're going to know. When the Son of Man returns, 
it will be like it was in Noah's day. Sexual immorality wheels off society, justifying things that were once wrong, they now say they're right, saying that things were, that were once right are now wrong. Violence. Who would have ever thought that we would live in a country to where we'd be debating such core biblical issues Even division within the churches because of over core issues. People trying to justify all kinds of sexual immorality. Who would ever thought that we live in a country that is so violent that people that just go to watch a Batman movie are slaughtered? Horrible crimes against children. Every time you and I fly, it's a reminder of a wheels-off society that's just not, just violent. Where people are so easily angered. And there's just this raging anger to where there's some sporting events or large gatherings of people that they have to run us through metal detectors just to make sure we haven't brought a bomb or a gun in. Jesus told the disciples, don't worry what's going on in the Middle East. Don't worry about all that other stuff. You want to know the sign that I'm coming back? It's when your culture, when our culture begins to look like Noah's culture. Just hurt and pain and violence, immorality. Noah lived in a culture when it wasn't popular to follow God at all. Noah lived in a culture when he wasn't encouraged to by anybody else. Let me just, can can I, but he lived an obedient life. He lived a consistent life. Can I just tell you this? Obedience is a choice regardless of culture. Obedience is your choice. Obedience is my choice, regardless of culture, regardless of the family you're in, regardless of the season of life you're in. Listen, obedience is a choice. I hear so many believers, when you start talking about a consistent life and you just start talking about just taking his word and being willing to apply it to your marriage or willing to apply it to your relationships or willing to apply it to your businesses and all of that other stuff, because, and they start pushing back and they go, oh, wait a minute, you don't know what it's like in the real world. You don't know what it's like in this culture. You don't know what that would cost me. Listen, obedience is a choice regardless of culture. Obedience is a choice regardless of situation of life. Obedience is a choice because I hear people push back all the time. Listen, I'm telling you. And they push back all the time and say, wait a minute, I know that obedience stuff and I know all that stuff. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know my schedule. You don't know my family. You don't know my dynamics. You don't know the culture. You don't know what it's like. Listen, let me tell you something. Obedience is a choice. And every day you make those choices. Every day I make those choices. How you're going to handle your marriage. How you're going to handle your kids. How you're going to handle your finances. How you handle your resources. How you handle business principles. Obedience is a choice, but it says with Noah that Noah was this guy. Scripture says that he was the only one righteous. I mean, that, it doesn't mean by righteous and blameless that he was perfect, he was out sin. Absolutely not. 
But it does believe, mean this, that he was taking the divine standards of God and just applying them to his life. Noah lived a consistent life. And it wasn't popular in his day. And because of that, Noah missed some business deals. Noah missed some parties. The people made fun of him and mocked him. He's building a boat in the front yard because God told him to. It had never rained. They had never needed a boat, never seen a boat. The scripture says that kids would mock him. You know another thing that's different about our day and Noah's day? Noah had no encouragement to live that, life, that way. He couldn't go to a church. He couldn't get in a life group. He couldn't have a Bible study group. He didn't have, he didn't have people praying for him. He didn't have people encouraging him. Obedience is a choice. I hear so many times believers say, well, wait a minute. You know what? I don't have anybody in my family encouraging me. I don't have anybody. Listen, I don't know anybody that I work with that, that live like this. The fact is they mock me and make fun of me. Listen, Noah had no one in his life. It is, man, we have more books written about Christianity. We have more websites, more sermons you can get online, more resources. We have more knowledge about Scripture and the Bible than any other generation. We have all this encouragement that you can get involved in a life group and you can come to a church and you can worship and you have people pray for you. And we still got people saying, you know what? That obedience thing is just way too tough. Nobody really encouraged him. Come on. Noah had no one. Obedience is a choice. Obedience is a choice regardless of your family, regardless of your relationships, regardless of the season, regardless of where. It's just a choice. The second thing is this. When you see someone that lives a consistent life, and that is obedient, obedient is it's evidence of someone walking with God. I'm telling you, you meet that person that's consistent, you live in that home with that person who is consistent, you live with that person that, you know what, that they're just going to be, be obedient and they're just going to follow him regardless. Listen, let me tell you something. You know what that comes out of? Not a strong commitment. That's part of it. But you know what that comes out of? That comes out of a life that someone's just willing to walk with him. The scripture says that Moses, or Noah, there we go again, that Noah walked with him closely. Now, when you look at this issue of obedience, obedience really stands on a three-legged stool. And so you know this, right, about three-legged stools, that if one's missing, that the stool will not stand. The same is true with this. So in a consistent life, in an obedient life, there's, there's three legs to that stool. The first one is this, an individual being just willing to listen to God. I mean, just willing to place this. Let me ask you, do you even place yourself in a position to where you can hear from him? To where you, like, you have like a hunger for his word? To where like you open up his word and you actually read it daily and take it and apply it to your life and you just, you just listen to him? See, it's really knowledge versus intimacy and you, you hear this. See, see, we live in a time that, that Christians are saying, I just, I just want to know more. Just knowledge, 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 Right? It wasn't knowledge that helped Noah. You know what it was? It was this intimacy. He had a relationship with God, and he knew, he understood that when he opened up his word, when he read his word, that it was the inerrant word of God. Listen, I'm telling you, I believe God's word all the way from the table of content, uh, contents to the maps. I like believe it all. It's, it's God revealing himself to man. And you have so many believers that, whoa, wait a minute. I just want to go deep. 
Give me the deep things of God. Well, listen, let me tell you something. The Pharisees were deep. And they thought they were like God's bouncers. Judging everybody, kicking people out of church, not showing love to people. And so you have believers of knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. We need more. We need more. You know what? We're having trouble applying the scriptures that we already know. You want some deep stuff? I'll give you some deep stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve one another. Look not only on your own interests, but be willing to look at the interest of others in your home, in your profession. Serve one another. Care about the poor. Care about the less fortunate. Forgive one another. Do not slander one another. Do not gossip about one another. That's the deep stuff, right? See, it wasn't just knowledge with with Noah. It was this issue of just, of intimacy. He knew him and he knew God's voice. Knowledge is never a substitute for a relationship with God. It's one thing to know a, a lot about someone, right? It's another thing to know them. Three-legged stool is this, that we're willing to listen to God. Do you put yourself even in a position? Do you really even care? We have some friends, and when their daughter was in middle school, it's just one of the funny stories of parenting that they had, and, and uh, talking about this issue of listening, and sometimes God's speaking, and we're, right, we're just not listening, or sometimes we hear him, we're just not responding, and so... Uh, mom and dad are in the living room and her, her bedroom was just right down the hall on the right, not far from the living room. And she had left something in the living room. So mom screams down the hall and says, you know, you know, called her by name and says, hey, come pick this stuff up and nothing. So she calls again and says, hey, come pick this stuff up. Absolutely no response. So mom gets a little bit upset. You know, when moms get upset, they use like your full name. So now then you know they use your first name, middle name, last name, proper name, you know. And they're just like calling you and say, you better come, you better come now. Come now. And their daughter responds and says, mom, I'm sorry. I did not hear you the first two times. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we're like that with God, right? Sometimes we know that he's speaking to us, and you know what? We're just kind of ignoring him. But when you look at Scripture, it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, God said to Noah. And so, so, so Noah could hear from God, and they, they were in relationship together. And so the first thing, if you're going to be obedient, the first thing, if you're going to be consistent, listen, I'm telling you, you will never be obedient to him. You will never be consistent in your life until you come to the place, till you value his word, till you open it daily, and you just listen to him. I mean, we life journal here. Fact is, it's a huge value of our leaders. We talk to you about that, that it's a program, a system, that in a year you read the New Testament twice, the Old Testament once, and then you go through a diagnostic, which is SOAP, your, your favorite scripture. You make an observation, an application. It takes like 20 minutes, okay? As your pastor, I don't know what I would do without it. I don't know where my life would be without life journaling. You ever carried a burden that really wasn't your burden to carry? I was carrying a burden that wasn't my burden. 
And it was crushing me. This last week, I came across in Life Journal, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9. And the Apostle Paul talked about a day when he was carrying a burden that was a Lord's burden and not his. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I'm really good at carrying stuff that's, that's really God's burden and not my, not my burden. Or it's, he'll take care of it, not me. And Paul writes in Corinthians and says to the, the church there that there was a time that I was, I was carrying such a burden that I, I, I mean, he got almost to the place where he's contemplating death. So where I got to the place that I was despairing life. I didn't know if I could make it carrying this burden. And here's what I learned. I was relying on myself and not him. And God was teaching me through that series, season of my life. I was learning. Because it's, it's, it's learned, right? I was learning to trust God. To rely on God and not myself. I had a group of people around me that were praying for me and encouraging me. It was like this burden just lifted for me. And you know what? In life journaling, that doesn't happen every day. But when you life journal every day, there is a relationship developed so that you learn to hear his voice, you learn to respond to him when he speaks into your life. And so so you gotta listen to his voice. You've got to listen to his word. The second thing is, you've got to actually believe his word. It's unbelievable the number of professing believers that really and truly don't really believe in his word. They don't really believe it's inerrant. And they don't really value it. You know, the way you know that you value his word, if you're willing to open it up daily. Noah was 500 years old. God told him, spoke into his life, even though he had never seen rain, and said, put the... It, and for a hundred years, he just, he just trusted God off of, off of a command. And it probably didn't happen in his timing. I mean, Noah probably would have rather it happened in a year. I mean, that hundred years had to be grueling and difficult and some doubts. But there's some things that, that we know about Noah that Noah believed. Noah believed three things about God. One is, is he just believed his word. He believed that God was going to destroy the world. Second thing is, is he believed that God desired and wanted to save his family. The most important thing is, the third thing that he believed was this, that in order to save his family, he must do exactly what God has told him to do. Husbands, fathers, that's a word to you. That's why you getting in the word is so critical. That's why you spiritually leading your family is like critical. That you know that there is a blessing. There is something that happens when someone is consistent, when they believe that to protect spiritually my family is when we lead a family in such a way that we do exactly what he's told us to do. Noah believed God. Even when God told him that it was rain, Noah had never heard of rain. The community had never heard of rain. Fact is, up until this time, the way that the, the, the ground was watered is a mist would do would come up in the morning and then settle back on, on the vegetation. They had never heard of rain. They had never needed a boat. But he just believed God's word. So you listen to God's word. You believe God's word. And the last thing is, is listen, it's so important you respond to God's word. I mean, to where you're willing. I mean, Jesus told a group of people, right? Man, if you hear my word and you hear my teaching... 
and you don't apply it, it is of no benefit to you. Fact is, it'd be better, better that you never heard me say that. No blessing, no benefit. Listen, the blessing is not in reading the Word. The blessing is being willing to respond to the Word and to apply it to your life. That's where the blessing comes from. And you go through the Scriptures and you go through Noah's life and you realize, look at this. Just look how he responded, Genesis 6.22. So Noah did, Noah did the stuff he liked. Noah did the stuff he agreed with. Noah did the stuff that the culture agreed with. Noah did, no, it says Noah did what? Noah did everything. Exactly. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him to do it. Genesis 7, 1, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, you, just, you can go through on your own, read his story, look at how many times the Lord says something to Noah and how many times he responds. Go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Genesis 7, 5. Again, so Noah did, man, Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. Genesis 7, 9. And so God told him to go in the ark. Then they entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God commanded Noah. I mean, he was just obedient. Genesis 7, 16, and male and female, each of every kind, just as, just as God had commanded him. I mean, Noah didn't argue over which animals I should take and which animals I shouldn't take. Noah says, I'm tired of dealing with the mosquitoes. I'm leaving them behind. <laughs> what is up with that? Noah did everything God had commanded him. And look at this. You see this spiritual and physical protection. It's just, just whole, huge theology here. Then the Lord closed the doors behind him. The last of Genesis chapter 7, verse 23, the only people who survived were Noah and those who were with him in the boat. His family was blessed because of how he led his family. His family's blessed because he listened to God. There was a blessing that fell on his family because of how he led them. And they responded. They didn't fight him every way. He lived in a family where he was able to speak into their life and his wife and his kids were willing to follow him instead of criticize him and complain about him. Genesis 8.18, so Noah, his wife and his sons, their wives, left the boat just as God had commanded them. Genesis 8.22, look, look at the first thing that Noah does when he gets out of the ark. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He worshiped. He worshiped with his family. And there he sacrificed his, his burnt offerings and animals and birds that had been approved for, for that purpose. See, there's a difference between believing and acting. See, a lot of us, especially in our culture, we like to talk about, well, I believe the right things. James says, well, you know what? Even the demons believe. There's a difference between believing and acting. That's why James said this. Faith without works is worthless. Faith without responding to God means nothing. And you can listen to God and you can believe God's word, but unless you're willing to take his principles and appropriate them and apply them to your situation, 
It means absolutely nothing. See, you know what a lot of believers, you know where they're more comfortable living? They're more comfortable living in theory than application. Now, I love those scriptures. They give me some warm fuzzies and they make me feel good and all of that other stuff. I love living and believing and I love living in theory. But do not ask me to apply it to my my life. Do not ask me to, to respond. And Can I just tell you this? Until you learn to respond to him, to listen to him, to believe his word, you will never see him at work in your family and your relationship to the level that you want to. You'll never see more of God in your relationship. See, a lot of times we like theory and we like God. When you move, I'll join you. God says you go first. Faith without works is dead. And Karen and I in our marriage and our relationship many years ago, we, we made a decision that like was a game changer for us. And, and we made a decision. I still remember where we were when we said, you know what, we'll respond to God even when it doesn't make sense. As long as we know he's spoken, as long as we clearly know it's him, we'll, just, we'll follow him even when it doesn't make sense. Really and truly that commitment is what led us here. When we left Houston, Texas with a dream that God had spoken into our life to plant a church in Pueblo, Colorado when a church didn't exist, when there's really no support, I'm just telling you, none of our friends or family, none of them encouraged us. The fact is, they spoke pretty negative. Even, even Christians, I mean, you know this, right? If, if, if you've ever done something for God that was crazy, you know this. Christians around you can be the most discouraging people. And they'll explain God away in a heartbeat. Why? Because it brings conviction to them how they're living their life. Because they're not trusting him like that. And people told us that a church like this would never make it in Pueblo, Colorado. That people wouldn't come. That the church would never grow and all of these other things. You realize we were here a few years and we, our contract ended at CSU Pueblo. We needed a new place. We didn't know where we were going to be. This place came open and we didn't have a building fund. We didn't have anything. And less than 300 people banded together and shared their resources and gave, gave money and sacrificially gave so that we could reach some of you. We walked into these doors in this church in one service, and look at us now. We're, we have, we've had three full services this weekend, and we'll, we'll have four services this weekend. We're up to four services. And I'm telling you what, I'm trusting God right now for some, just some big stuff. What are you trusting God for? What are you applying in your life? Because here is the crazy thing that all those God stories, and I give you one God story right after the other in our family and our ministry, here's the crazy thing. That was exciting and fun. But there is a deepening that God did in my life and my wife's life that I cannot explain. To where you come out on the other end and you even radically trust him more than you went in. You look at Noah's life. You see, obedience brings blessing in life. You look at Noah's life and you realize that, that because of how he led his family, that he had this spiritual protection. I mean, because, listen, let me tell you something. Your sin does not just affect you. 
And we live in a moral culture. We live in a culture that even believers believe this false belief that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't matter that I don't apply this stuff into my life because, because it's just my life. Listen, let me tell you something. Your sin does not affect just you. It affects you and your family. Oh, and guess what? There's no such thing as a secret sin, right? I mean, Scripture tells us what is done in darkness will be exposed in the light. Scripture tells us that your sin will find you out. That's what Scripture says. Listen, if the director of the CIA cannot hide an affair, you don't have a chance. (laughs) Right? What, What a travesty. Distinguished service, distinguished career. You don't think that affects his family? Can I tell you, it even affects our country. Let me tell you this. Your righteous living affects your family. Don't ever underestimate the power of living a pure life. Don't ever underestimate the power of just living in obedience that, yes, sin affects your family. Yes, sin affects your life. But I'm telling you this, right living, righteous living, living for him, applying his principles to your life, listen, affects your family in a positive way. His family had great blessing in their life because of the way that Noah led his family and the way his wife responded and how they led together. You also see that God gave him a promise, right? God gave him a promise in a rainbow. I mean, he made this covenant with, with God, or, or God made a covenant with, with, with Noah. And God told Noah, it says, because of the rainbow and because of the covenant I'm going to make with you, I will never destroy the earth ever again with, with water and flood. So when you hear guys like Al Gore and all those other people talking about our world's going to be destroyed by Arctic melts, because we believe God's word, we know that is not true. We know it is not going to flood. Why? Because we know God's word and we believe God's word and God has given us a promise. You ever wonder how Noah got all the animals on the boat? It's because before the flood they had no fear of man because they were vegetarians. What a horrible time to live. I'm telling you, I'm grieving over the loss of Twinkies. And It's like I am so blessed that Karen a few weeks ago bought me a box of Twinkies and with their shelf life, I'll have them until Jesus comes back. But But they they had no fear of man. And then they get off the ark. And God tells Noah, the animals are yours. No more soup and salad for you. Texas Roadhouse, steaks, T-bones for everyone. Listen, don't ever underestimate the rewards for living a pure life, living an obedient life, willing to be consistent, willing regardless of what your family says, regardless of what people say. You're just going to honor God with your life. The last thing is this, and it's a principle that comes through so many times of, of, of Scripture is this, is that obedience today does not guarantee obedience tomorrow. This is the one that was just a sobering reminder to me. Can you believe all that Noah had done? I mean, the ark and... Trusting God and building the boat a hundred years. Trusting him in a community in a time when nobody else stood up for him and nobody else trusted him. And I mean, we read it, Genesis 6, 9 again says this account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with him. 
It's so important for us to know that, that our walk with God affects every area of our lives. And what keeps a righteous life is this intimacy with God and knowing that God wants to work in our life. And So after all that, he, all that he had done and all that he had accomplished, walking closely with God, Noah began to live off the faith of his past like so many people do. And he started running on spiritual fumes. And he believed that I know enough scripture, I know enough stuff. I mean, I've read scripture, I know that, and, and I don't need to do that daily anymore. I don't have time, life has changed, life situations have changed. And Noah was that type of guy. And the Bible tells, it's such a sad story, just real quickly and we'll close. Genesis chapter 9, the first incident of drunkenness in scripture. First incidents of a negative Prophetic words spoke in someone else's life for judgment and condemnation. And it was Noah. Noah had too much to drink. One thing led to another and he like lost all of his clothes. And he's passed out without any clothes on and he has three sons and one son handles it correctly and the other two sons, they don't, they don't handle it correctly at all. Noah wakes up and he's He's angry. And he condemns and he judges his sons. He speaks judgment into their life and unfortunately those words, and you know how it is. Mom and dad have great influence into your life and when they speak a word of judgment and criticism and condemnation, it can affect your life forever in a negative way. And don't try to justify Noah's actions because they were wrong and instead of Noah accepting responsibility for his sin he blamed his kids he blamed every listen let me tell you something someone that won't accept responsibility for their sin in their life you know what they do they blame everybody else it's my husband it's my wife it's my boss it's the government it's my kids and Noah began to live off the spiritual fumes of his past. You living off of your spiritual fumes of the past? Do you remember a time when you used to serve him? You used to be involved in a church. You used to do ministry. But for whatever reason, you don't do that anymore. You're kind of a spectator of what's going on. Remember a time in your spiritual past when you actually had a hunger for his word and you would open it up and you'd read it and you'd apply it to your life? Let me tell you something. It's a daily walk. Noah started living off the press clippings of his past and Noah started living off the spiritual fumes of his past. And his life did not end well. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?